Good morning. We did have an awesome week this week uh, with VBS. It's always fun to see hundreds of kids kind of roaming around the building and excited about learning about Jesus and singing songs and just having fun. And it's always a noisy week at church, too, and that's awesome because sometimes it can kind of get quiet uh, around here during the week. Uh, I'm also just uh, just awesome that we get to celebrate kind of this island theme, shipwrecked, and we get to wear kind of fun clothes today. I like, you know, this is the first time I've ever preached a message wearing a lay. So this is great. We had a pancake breakfast this morning. Uh, somebody came up to me after the first service and said, I think we should do this every Sunday. I mean, I said, like, VBS? And they're like, yeah, VBS and the pancake breakfast. And I said, well, I think Marsha and the Iron Men's Ministry would have a heart attack if they actually... We're expected to do that every week, but it is awesome. I asked Marcia earlier, uh, you know, this little cabana up here. I was kind of like, can we can I put this over the, the podium and then I can preach under this cabana? There's actually a hammock up here. I was like, can I preach from the hammock? You know, just kind of kick back. So anyway, it's been a great week. So we're in the middle of a series on Proverbs. And uh, the theme of uh, VBS was shipwrecked and how God uh, really has rescued us and is rescue, rescuing us. And it really fits in well with this uh, passage that I'm going to introduce you to here a little bit in the message. Uh, And as I begin this morning, I read a story this week about a minister who was invited to do a a service at a mental institution. And things were going pretty well throughout the service until he got to the sermon. And he began his message with a rhetorical question, not expecting anybody to answer. But this is what he asked. He says, why are we here? And very quickly, one of the patients responded, because we're not all there. And the guy was pretty impressed with that response. And, you know, there are times in life when we're not always there, right? There are times in life uh, that are a challenge. And for most of us, there's going to be some time in life that is a challenge. Whatever we do, when we're, we're, we often are tempted to ask, so what? What does it really mean? Uh, is this what I'm really supposed to be doing with my life? A few years ago, I had to fill out a really long questionnaire because I was making an application for a life insurance policy. And one of the questions they asked me on the life insurance uh, survey was, why did I choose the vocation that I chose? And they listed about 12 uh, different kinds of responses that I was supposed to pick one of them. But that none of the responses they had were the reason I chose the vocation that I chose. Uh, they listed pay, medical benefits, education, fulfillment, And they were among the reasons, but there was nothing about a sense of calling, a sense that this was the will of God. Paul urges us, all Christians, all believers in Ephesians, to walk worthy of the calling we've received. Have you been called? Do you know that you are called when you're a follower of Christ? Uh, A friend of mine understood that we all are subject to a divine calling. He calls himself an ordained plumber. Isn't that cool? An ordained plumber. The self-concept kind of reveals that some of us have faulty thinking uh, of some Christians by, that think that God calls only pastors or educators or teachers or doctors and that the rest of us are kind of free to choose to do whatever we want to. All of us come to face-to-face with some pretty significant decisions throughout life's journey. You know, decisions like our education, uh, our vocation, for some of us marriage, Uh, And for all of us, an important decision is salvation. And I think the greatest piece is being able to say, I know this is God's will for me. The greatest uh, piece is being able to say that. 
You know, we've all been in the unpleasant place of indecision with no assurance of which way to turn and what way to go. And we're frustrated and worried. And what's worse is when we go ahead, we plow ahead, going on our own way with no thought of consulting God. And we end up making hasty decisions that only include God as kind of an afterthought. You know, when we're struggling with indecision, we need to realize that, that God knows us better than we know ourselves. He knows everything about us, even the things that we don't understand about ourselves. And he's in control of our lives and of our circumstances. And he wants to help us, and he's going to provide all that we need for this life and the life to come. You know, sometimes life can hit us with some pretty tough circumstances. And we can feel like we're shipwrecked at times. Ten years ago, the recording, Christian recording artist Stephen Curtis Chapman uh, and his family suffered a devastating loss. Uh, their five-year-old adopted daughter from China, her name was Maria, was struck and killed when Chapman's 17-year-old son was backing the vehicle out of their driveway. It's devastating. And after much prayer and, and counsel, uh, Chapman re- re- returned to touring and doing concerts shortly after his daughter's funeral. Blessed Be Your Name was the first song that he sang at the first concert after the funeral when he wasn't sure that he would ever be able to sing again. And the song is inspired by Job's story out of the Old Testament. And at one point, the lyrics of the song repeat, He gives and takes away, referring to God gives and takes away. As As he sang the song, he said, It wasn't a song, it was a cry. It was a scream. It was a prayer. Chapman explained to the audience of nearly 5,000 people. He said, I I found an amazing comfort and a peace that surpasses all understanding. He also shared that after Maria's death, he reconsidered all the words to all the songs he'd ever written and whether he could still sing and believe the the words that he had written. And instead, uh, losing his little girl brought meaning to those songs that he had written, and it brought meaning into a sharper focus for him. One example is a song that's entitled Yours, which addresses how everything in the world belongs to God. In the song in particular, he said, I had to come to a new realization that there's not an inch of creation that God doesn't look at and say, all of that, all that's mine. All of it is mine. What a powerful testimony of trust from Stephen Curtis Chapman in God. You know, we place our trust in all sorts of things, right, on a daily basis. If you think about it, you know, if you have something on your calendar, you're trusting that you're going to be alive tomorrow. Uh, You know, we trust in things uh, that are just regular that we think are going to happen every day. We trust that we're going to have electricity and we're going to have water on a daily basis. We place trust in certain kind of public services like the post office that they're going to deliver our mail every day. And we put trust in police officers that they're going to catch all the criminals. And we put our trust in the military that they're going to protect our nation. We put our trust in our place, in our our trust in in many different kinds of people or in different kinds of things. And what do all these things have in common? Well, sometimes these things or these people or these services fail and they cannot meet every need that we have. A few years ago when we were living in Kansas City, our power supply failed and uh, we had a massive uh, ice storm. And so we didn't have power for two or three days. And, uh, you know, we just weren't expecting that. We're not used to losing something like that, and especially when it happens in January. It's not very fun. Uh, you know, many of you probably have had times where your families have let you down. There have been times when the post office has lost pieces of mail. There are times when our police can't catch every criminal, even though they want to. Uh, there are even times that our military cannot fully protect us. 
We've all felt the disastrous effects of days when our trust has failed within us and uh, within our families, within our friends, even sometimes with our church. There are going to be times in our lives when confidences are broken, when tears uh, are shed and feelings are hurt and trust gets damaged. And all of this leads me to an extremely important question for us today. Who or what can you genuinely trust? Well, we're in the middle again of the series on Proverbs. And Solomon, I think, has some awesome words to share with us out of Proverbs chapter 3. I invite you to open your Bibles up and to look at that. Proverbs chapter 3, uh, verses 5 and 6. So you can open your phones up and look that, look that up on the U version as well. And uh, it's going to be on the screen behind me. But this may be some of Solomon's most famous words that he wrote Scripture. And this is what he tells us. He says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean, on, lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. What a great couple of verses right there. Living faithfully and trusting in God. Uh, I think there's uh, four different lessons that we can learn on trust and what it means to trust God. The first is, from Solomon, we can learn that trust is a heart issue. There's no possible way for us to say that we trust God and not allow Him to have our heart. God must have our heart daily to truly have our trust. And many times we say that we trust God, but deep down within us, there's a part of us that doesn't really trust Him. We give Him a lot of spiritual lip service and we move on with our lives. We just keep doing our own thing, and expect God at some point to bless it or to honor it. I want to ask us a question. Is this really the kind of Christ followers that we want to be? Why is the heart so important? What makes the heart so crucial to trust issues? In our society, we look at the heart as a place of emotions and desire and passion. And I've often heard people say, my heart isn't in in it when they don't want to do something. We automatically apply our context to the Bible and we think it fits. When Solomon speaks about the heart in this passage, he's speaking of more than just our emotions or our passions. He's referring to the core of all of human life. The heart for the Hebrews was the center of everything of their being. The heart was the essence of all that we are as human beings. When Solomon says to trust God with all of your heart, he's saying trust God with all of your life, with everything that you have, with everything that you are, with all of your possessions, with who you are and who you're becoming, trusting God with everything. If we were going to be honest, many times our trust in God falls way short of that standard. And so when Solomon speaks about trust, he's, he's talking about the whole deal. All means exactly that, all. It doesn't mean just some of it or parts of it, not just a little but everything. And if we're to live faithfully, Solomon also tells us that trusting God means we've got to move beyond our understanding. One of the great truths of life is that, that there's going to be times when life just doesn't make sense. We all have experienced times in life when experience defies logic and it leaves us with a complete lack of understanding. Life can absolutely be beyond our ability to comprehend and even our ability to control. And that's one of our failures as humans, is we often think we can control more than we can actually can control. Life is not always fair. It's never totally free of pain. And it's never beyond difficulties. Think about some of the the examples even out of Scripture. Do you think that Abraham understood why he was promised numerous descendants, and yet he had no son? 
Think about Joseph. Do you think he understood why his brothers sold him into slavery when they did that? Do you think that Daniel understood why he had to spend the night in the lion's den? Or think about the Apostle Paul. Do you think he understood why he was stoned, beaten, and shipwrecked? Life at times doesn't make sense, but God makes sense out of our lives. Trusting God is not just something we're called to talk about in church and then move on. Trust in God is the only thing that gets us through where the rubber meets the road. It's in those days that life defies our logic. In those days when life just doesn't make any sense. These are the times that we need to trust God the most. We need to trust God when life gets tough because if we don't trust Him in the tough stuff, we're not going to trust Him in everything with all of our heart. And trust is not just about logic, but trust is about faith. It's a matter of faith. We may go through hard times. We may have days that are filled with heartache and pain or questions. We may have days when life seems like it's out of control. But life is never beyond God's control and God's understanding. When we lean on our own understanding, we gain only what we can do for ourselves. But when we lean on God's understanding, we have limitless resources. We have God's limitless resources. He also goes on, and if we're going to actually live faithfully, I think Solomon encourages us, the trust must acknowledge God's presence. The Hebrew word for acknowledge in this passage means to see him, literally to see him. It's not just an intellectual understanding of God. It's, it's to mean to look for him. And so in order to see him, we have to look for him in all circumstances and see his guidance in our lives. You know, as a church, we've been majoring this past year on um, being a disciple of Christ. And we've defined being a disciple of, of Christ as a life-changing journey in Christ with others. You know, we introduced at the beginning of the year even a statement about that and some questions, four different questions we've invited you to kind of ask on a regular basis. If you still don't have one of these sheets, you can pick one up at the table in the foyer. We also have a business card that can slip in your wallet or your pocket that has those questions on it, some great questions. But one of those questions is all about what I'm talking about this morning. And the question is, how have you seen the Lord at work in your, in this past week in your life? And in order to see God or be able to answer that question and be able to say, this is how I saw God at work in my life this past week, we have to be looking and paying attention to what God is doing. We have to acknowledge God's presence and God's activity in our everyday life. So we have to be paying attention to God throughout the day. So in everything, we need to look for his guidance, whether it's going on a vacation or it's our vocation, whether, you know, it's when we're praying or when we're playing and having fun. Acknowledge him. Always keep God in mind. Always means in your marriage and in your family. Always means in your finances. Always means from the time that you get up in the morning throughout your whole day. We look for God. We look to what God is doing and how God is at work. What would he want you to do? How would he want you to handle it? How would our lives be changed if we see what he wants from us in all aspects of life? It's so important to be tuned in to God on a regular basis. And I, I'll be honest, there are times I am definitely not tuned in to God. My mind gets caught up in other things and I lose focus. I forget to be looking for God in all circumstances or in all decisions. And so we need to be tuned in. We need to be sensitive to his subtle messages, his nudges, and his situations. A number of years ago, way before the telephone was in every home and even before cell phones, there was this device called the telegraph. 
It's one of the ways they communicated from office to office or from city to city. And there's a story about uh, several people were waiting to be interviewed for a job as a wireless operator. And they sat around in the waiting room talking with each other, waiting to be called in for the interview one by one. And they were oblivious to faint sounds that were coming across the speaker in the room. But then suddenly one of them stood up and went immediately into the private office without being invited. And all the rest of them were kind of looking at each other stunned, like, what, what happened? You know, he wasn't even invited to go in, and he just barged right in the office. And then about ten minutes later, he came out and he, he made the announcement. He said, hey, guess what? I got the job. You all can go home. You don't even have any opportunity to interview. And they were stunned and they were confused. And he explained, he said, you know, why we were out here talking, he said, if you were, if you were listening, uh, they were broadcasting the Morse code over the speaker very faintly. And the, the, sta- the message was, uh, I want, the person I'm going to hire is somebody who pays attention. And if you understand this message, the first person who walks into my office is going to get the job. And so they were amazed, they were stunned, and they were confused, but this guy got the job. And I think it's a great lesson, and it's clear that we need to be tuned in to God's channel and respond to his leading. And as we're seeking God's will, we need to keep in mind that God has our best interests in heart. Faith means that we trust God in spite of unanswered question, in spite of difficulty, in spite of uncertain future, knowing that God knows what we need even more than we know what we need. He also knows just how much light we need for the next part of the path that's ahead of us. And sometimes we have to wait patiently for him to reveal his will to us. There have been more than a few days when uh, I've clung to the promise that God's never going to leave us and he's never going to forsake us. And God made that promise that he would always be with us. And God makes, when God makes a promise, he keeps it. So if God's never going to leave us, we can trust him in every situation and in every trial that we face. God always comes through in every problem and every trial, even when we barely get through. The power and the presence of God gets us through the tough stuff in life. One of my favorite verses is in Isaiah 43, verse 2. This is what the scripture says. It says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. If you believe that you do not need God, why would he do anything for you? If you have the attitude that you're going to live your life on your own, God's going to let you live your life on your own. The best thing that God has to offer us, the best things that he has to offer us, don't come to us until we say, God, I need you. Until we recognize that we need God. We need God's help. The power doesn't come to us until we we confess that we need it. God God seldom breaks into the lives of people who do not trust him. God seldom accomplishes great things in the lives of those who refuse to acknowledge him or trust in him. Before we can live a lifestyle of trust, we must acknowledge our deep need for God. Without meeting, admitting that need uh, for God, we rob ourselves of his presence, his provision, and his power. Trusting God is a choice, and we make it every day in the way that we live and the way we acknowledge him. And if we're to live faithfully, Solomon also encourages us to trust following the path that God lays out for us. When we take God at his word and we take advantage of his promises, what happens? we receive the promise of God's guidance. The Hebrew phrase for make your path straight is really uh, very interesting. It's found also in the Old Testament in Isaiah chapter 40, verses 3 and 4. And this is the way it was used in that passage. 
Uh, it says, Clear the way for the Lord in the wilderness. Make smooth in the desert a highway for our God. The message translation of that passage says, Thunder in the desert. Prepare for God's arrival. Make the road straight and smooth, a highway fit for our God. And so the word is talking about making smooth, making straight. It's kind of talking about, you know, making that windy, crooked path straight. It's talking about the one that goes up and down. It's like leveling it out. It's like making it easy. And in the context that we're talking about in Proverbs, it's God that's doing that for us when we acknowledge him, when we trust in him, when we follow him. When our son Connor was in college in North Park in Chicago, we would go to Chicago a couple of times a year. And we found a, a way that we, it was shorter and quicker than going I-70 or I-80, which has a ton of traffic on it, and it's kind of crazy. And so if you go to Kansas City, then you go north on I-35 to Cameron, Missouri, there's a four-lane highway that goes east out of Cameron, Highway 36. It used to be a two-lane highway, but about 10 years ago, I guess they expanded it, they widened it to four lanes all the way to Illinois where you can pick up another interstate. You can avoid all the crazy traffic. It's awesome. And it's quicker. And one of the things that's is interesting is that when they created the second two lanes uh, is that they really improved the road on the new two lanes. And so if you know anything about Missouri, it's pretty hilly, a lot hillier than Kansas, right? And so this new road, they kind of lowered, lowered the road down where it would go through the hills, and they would cut the hills out so you wouldn't have to go up as high. And when it came to the valleys, they filled the valleys in, and so you didn't have to go down as low. And so the interesting thing was when they built the two new uh, lanes, they improved that road. They made it pretty straight and pretty even. But the two old lanes, they didn't change at all. They go up and down the hills right next to each other. So you got one that's going up and down like this, and you got one that's just real smooth like that. So if you, know, if you travel the highway, you just got to figure out, now is that going east or going west that I can grab the really smooth road? But whenever I'm on that road and I look at one, the difference between one set of lanes and the other set of lanes, I always think of this verse, that God makes straight our pathway. And it's really a great metaphor for me in terms of, you know, life when we're seeking God, it's pretty smooth. God really smooths out the rough parts of life. Not that we're not going to face difficulties or trials, but he really helps, helps minimize those and he helps us get through them. But boy, life when we're not seeking God, it seems up and down and hard and sometimes so harsh without resources, without God's help. He smooths our path in life so much more. We don't make our own path in life, but we follow the one that God lays out for us. And God's the one who sets the path for life, and we either follow it or we don't. Life can be that simple. One problem is that we get too busy trying to blaze our own trail and charting our own course and making out every detail of our life that we sometimes leave God out of the picture. I'd rather walk the pain of, of difficulty and suffering with God than walk the path of pleasure and success without Him. One of the best things about following God is that He never messes up the directions. Like even, He's even better than the best GPS system. You know, how many of you who use GPS, there's times they don't have it right, but God never gets it wrong. There are times it might feel wrong, like when we really hit a tough spot, we may ask the question, God, why did you send me down this part of the road? But again, God knows everything. God has an understanding of our life and of the, of the universe and of creation that goes way beyond our understanding. 
He, he never sends us in the wrong direction, even if it might feel like it. He never leads us the wrong way. Who or what is leading your life today? I want to come back to the close of the message to the story of Stephen Curtis Chapman. Uh, as a result of the death of his daughter, Maria, he wrote, he wrote a new verse to a, a song that he had entitled, Yours. Uh, this is how the, he wrote the new verse. This is what, how it goes. He's, it says, I've walked the valley of death's shadow. So deep and dark I could barely breathe. I had to let go of more than I could bear. And I've questioned everything that I believe. Still, even here in this great darkness, a comfort and a hope comes breaking through. As I can say in life or death, God, we belong to you. Today, have you given your whole heart to God, the creator of this universe? Does your heart belong to the Lord of life? Do you acknowledge the fact that you need God? Today, are you following the path that God is laying out for you? Today, can you honestly say to God, I am yours. I belong to you. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for this passage. These words of encouragement that come from Solomon through the inspiration of your Holy Spirit. God, we are so grateful that you are one that we can trust with everything in our life. Especially when it gets hard or difficult to know that you are at work in our lives, that you are with us, that you haven't left us or abandoned us, and that there's a purpose uh, for everything that we're going through. And so, God, your invitation is for us to trust you with everything in our life, and especially not to just trust in our own understanding, but to trust in you, the one who knows and understands everything. And, God, we're thankful that when we seek you and trust you, and follow you, that you make our paths straight. And God, that there are times that even we will go through hardship and difficulty, but when we, when we face that trial, we don't face it alone. We face it with the God of the universe who created everything, knows everything, who's good and who's faithful, and who's at work in our life and in our world. And so God, we're grateful that we can trust you in the big picture of everything, even in the midst of difficulty. And so, God, we come to you this morning. We recognize there are times, God, that we, we don't allow you to have control of our life, that we've, we've, we're leaning on our own understanding. We forget, we get uh, caught up in things, and we forget to seek you and acknowledge you. But, God, we ask that you again just draw our hearts to you. Give us those gentle reminders to seek you in the midst of everything that we experience and to know, again, that you're at work in amazing ways. So, God, we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Would you stand as we respond to the word we just received? Tis so sweet trust in Jesus just to take him at his word, just to rest upon his promise, just to know the saith the Lord, Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I
You may be seated for just a minute. I'm going to invite Dale and Barbara Livingood to come up here and join me. Dale and Barbara uh, have taken seriously our mission to go further in mission. And they're going to go on a six, about a six-week uh, short-term mission project. And I'm actually going to let you guys just share just a few sentences about where you're going, who you're going with, and a little bit about that project. We're going with uh, Crew Global Missions. Uh, though you might remember it from Campus Crusade, it used to be called. And we're going to Hungary. We're leaving Wednesday. Uh, we'll be working at a camp with high school students, uh, teaching conversational English, and mostly sharing the gospel. That's our main focus, is sharing the gospel. Um, we're going to meet up with Rod and Jane Fox there in Hungary, and then afterwards, Dale and I are going to spend a couple of days up in Prague with Max McClure, who's also from our church. Awesome. Well, we're excited that you guys have been, since that calling to go there, and I told folks in the first service, I'll tell you, they're a great example of this message that uh, we just had this morning, trusting in God. And how, would, you know, how many people would expect to be called to go for six weeks in Hungary in their retirement? So this is awesome. It's exciting to be able to see you guys going and doing that. And we want to commit as your church to be praying for you as you go and be praying for that, the group of crew that are going to be in Hungary uh, doing God's work there. So actually, I'd like to do that right now, just say a short prayer uh, at the close of the service. So let's pray for Dale and for Barbara. Heavenly Father, I pray for Dale and for Barbara, and we're so thankful for this sense of call that they've received to go and serve with crew for six weeks this summer in Hungary, in Budapest, and other areas of the country. And Lord, we pray that you would just go before them, that you would guide their steps, that you would prepare them, that you would protect them and their team that are there. And God, we ask that you would make provision for all of them to be able to share uh, the good news of Christ with those that you have prepared for them to hear that amazing message. And God, we're praying that many people would come to faith in Christ uh, because of this, or that they'd take one step closer to Christ, but that this would be a part of your plan and your desire. We lift them up to you, and we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Can you give them a round of applause and encouragement as they go this week? Thank you, guys. So I invite you to stand for the benediction, and as you stand, just invite our prayer team to gather over to the right in the hallway, and as they gather over there after the service, if you're uh, someone who would need some prayer this morning, you can go there after the service, and they'd be honored to be able to listen and to pray for you.
uh, receive these words that come to us from God's Word. May the God of grace, may the God of peace that surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus this day and every day. Amen.